you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am Barbara Ginty and your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here uh, today with my guest, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, age, uh, like married, single parent, all that, location, all that fun stuff. Yes. Okay. So I am 25. I'm turning 26 in April. So not too far from now. Happy and early birthday. And so for our listeners, hopefully we're out of quarantine by then so you can celebrate. I know. Honestly, I'm not sure if we are going to be. It's April 11th is my birthday. So we're probably oh. going to be in the middle of it. <laughs> You're going to be having a FaceTime party, I think. Yeah, it's okay. I've accepted it. <laughs> 26 isn't that big of a year. So, so yeah, I'm almost 26. I work as a dietitian um, and I live in North Carolina. So I live in like the Western side of North Carolina. Um, and I work as an outpatient diabetes um, dietitian. So a lot of what I do is just working with um, like nutrition counseling all day, every day. Oh, wow. Yep. It's a lot, a lot of people talking. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking all day to people. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, um, does it get repetitive ever? Because if you're doing the same, is it the same type of nutrition? Counseling? Yeah, it is. And I think I've gotten which things have changed drastically right now during the quarantine, which has been really nice because it's giving me kind of like a mental breather. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it does get repetitive, and it can be stressful just because it can be sometimes um, like really intense appointments or sometimes like urgent medical needs. So. That is kind of part of part of why I wanted to come on the podcast because I'm eventually, hopefully in the near future, going to be transitioning to a new job. Um, part of kind of what I've learned in this job is that I want something a little bit more dynamic. So maybe we can get into that later. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, but so yeah, tell us, so, tell us so, so what are you making now as a dietitian? So I make a little over sixty thousand. Okay, great. And then that my net each month, I get paid monthly, which is kind of a weird structure, but it's I got paid monthly my first job and it was so hard. It was, it was an adjustment. Like you think it's not going to be that bad. And then you get to day like 25, day 26 and you're like, man, it's been a long time. Yeah. You're like, this has been a long time since I've gotten a paycheck. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So that was definitely an adjustment. I don't know why they chose to do it that way, but um, my monthly pay is three thousand five hundred and eighteen. Okay. And um, that's like with all of my, you know, my four hundred three B and every yeah, everything's taken out. So that's my salary. Okay. What else did you ask for? I kind of blanked. Oh wait. So we know how much you make. And now, are you single, married, you've kids? Yes. Um, okay, so I'm single, but I do live with my boyfriend and our dog. So we share rent, share, we pretty much split everything 50-50. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so then let's go into your numbers. So, yeah. um, and actually, just a little fun fact. I think if you've listened to the pod, you've noticed I've asked people their monthly numbers. And I think the reason is because I worked for almost five years on a monthly paycheck. <laughs> and I got so used to budgeting monthly because everybody's like, Oh, well, I'll tell you my net pay. And I'm like, well, what's your monthly? And they're like, I don't do it that way. I do it <laughs> and I think that's why I'm like always in that habit of saying monthly. Cause I was so, I started out learning to budget and everything on a monthly number. Yeah. I thought about how one day if I have to go to getting paid every other week, every other week or twice a month or whatever it is, like, that's just going to feel so weird getting paid mm-hmm. twice a week. It so. actually is such a step up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the no next level. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, so. the same amount of money, but it just feels nicer when you get more checks. Yes, exactly. More, just feels more consistent, I guess. Yeah, it just makes it in your budgeting. So if you mess up, you don't mess up as, you know, if you mess up in a monthly check. <laughs> early on you have a long way to go yeah that I th- I've definitely noticed that yeah and all my numbers are monthly so we're on the same page there because yeah, <laughs> I realized like into doing this podcast I was like oh, I really need to stop doing this monthly thing because nobody's <laughs> monthly numbers um, but I think that's because I you know I'm like 21 to 26 when I first started doing um, yeah. my money I was doing it monthly Okay, perfect. So you're netting thirty, just over thirty five hundred a month, and then you're splitting your you have apartment or condo or something with your rent with your boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, land and housing here is so affordable. So we actually have a small three bedroom home that we rent, and it is total one thousand fifty for the month, what? and so we split that. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's amazing. I know it's so nice and so we have like we're we're in like a nice neighborhood it's just crazy how cheap in North Carolina land is um which is gonna really suck if we move one day and I have to like get used to how everyone else (laughs) lives um just left New York City and I must say it is very especially now that we're like quarantined I'm so thankful that I'm not in my like 350 square foot apartment right yeah I know. It is is nice to be in another city where it's more reasonable. Yeah, exactly. That's that's great. Okay, so rent, like, is a little over 500 then for you, for your share? Yeah, basically I pay 550 if you want to think about it that way. And then my car payment is 300 Okay. And I pay, I um, still owe 7,000 left on my car loan. Okay. And then as far as like all of my other um, expenses, so like my phone bill, my car insurance, gas, groceries, my gym membership, which I'm not allowed to use right now, <laughs> and um, like water bills, utilities, it comes out to about 950 for all of that per Perfect. month. That's great. So then you are definitely well under your budget. Yeah, it is great, well which is why, what'd you say? 
you're well under your net income and you're the, and your uh, net is after your 403b contribution how much are you putting in there oh my gosh so I was looking at all of this earlier, like to prepare for the podcast. And I was so sure that I was contributing 4% and I went to look and it was only 2%. And so that was a huge bummer. Um, And I think that what happened is like when I took this job, it was like one of my first quote unquote real jobs. And I think Mm -hmm. I just, I just started with the minimum thinking, oh, I'll increase it over time. And I just never came back to it as I've learned so much about, you know, finances, but so that was a super big bummer. Um, so now, as of today, I'm contributing 4%. Um, okay, good. <laughs> which is such a bummer. God, it's going to take a while to let that go. But um, well, That's okay. So you know what is a good thing to do? Um, so even when you get a raise, it's always a good time to bump it. Cause right. that's, if you, and it doesn't always happen for everybody to get a raise yearly. But if you have your annual review... You can yeah. remember to do it then. So whenever you get your annual review, typically that's when you would get a cost of living adjustment or potentially a raise. Right. And then the other trick I've heard too is like at tax time when you're going to file your taxes, that's if, if you're a type of in a role where you don't get raises. Mm-hmm. But I think the annual review is like a good time to do it because almost everybody has an annual review at work. Um, right. And so I that's do. when you go through and change your contribution because it's pretty painless if you bump it up like I always say to split it. Like, so if you were to get a raise for 2%, do 1% for today and 1% for tomorrow, tomorrow being the retirement and today meaning your paycheck. Okay. But yeah, if you look to increase it, I think 1% a year is a minimum. And then if you get a, you know, a big raise, that's the most painless way to increase it because you're already living on what you're used to making pre-raise, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I did get a 2% raise this year. So that was nice. Oh, perfect. So I guess I just... It's you just been put a couple in. months, but I put it in. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. And so then in which it, my company does it a little bit differently. So the way that they, which is really nice. If you contribute 4%, they put in 7%. Wait, what? Yeah. So they match it plus 3%. That's amazing. What's the cap? Oh, what do you mean? Like what's the max they'll put in for you? Um, 7%. 7. Okay, good. So you're getting, you're so, going to get the full. Yeah, so you if you put in 4%, they put in 7%, but if you put in 5%, they still put in 7%. Ah, okay. So, perfect. So then you're putting in 4 and they're putting in 7. Yeah. That's great. And then now this is another question that you might not know, but mm-hmm. if you were to leave to do this new job, is there a vesting schedule on the money they're putting in, or do you automatically get to keep the money they contribute there on? Is. I was going to ask you about that. So, okay, so in the total, like, 403b account there's $9,895 but $7,730 is vested right now okay and then how long for the other $2,000 and change to vest so I think I have to work there for three years in order to get all of what they're putting in and I've only worked there for two years okay and when is your when's your three-year anniversary next year Mm mm-hmm and February 2021. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's definitely a year out. Okay. So if you were, if you take this other job, you're going to lose about 2000 in the. Yeah. That's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Cause you'll get, you basically get to keep probably like 60 something percent of it and then the rest. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's just something to take into consideration with the benefits and the pay for the next job. Right. But yeah, but that's what the vesting schedule means. So vesting schedule okay. is just the percentage that you get to keep and like at what dates to 
for your, your, your service with that company. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. So is it like, if I had been putting in 4%, would that be, would that number be like double what it is right now, basically? Well, the company match, it was the same the entire time. So it wouldn't be double. So don't feel that bad. So it would only be like 2% more, right? Because your company, it's not like your company matches you no matter what. They just don't put in more than seven. Is that right? Um, I think, right. They don't put in more than seven. Yes. So it would definitely be higher, but it, I don't think it would be 50% higher. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> so and you know the good thing is, the good thing is now, because you're, you're going to be 26, that you're, you'll have a habit of doing this now at your annual review right? and more mindful of it because it's way worse to like be 55 and be like, oh shoot. <laughs> right. Yeah. My parents right now. <laughs> yeah. You hear that and see that all the time where people were like, I was in it and I, or they were in it and they didn't pick, like they didn't really do their investments the right way or they were in cash inside of it. So I see worse things. So don't beat yourself up over it. You're still young enough where we can get the money in there and we can get good habits where you're increasing it on a regular basis. So yeah, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. And like you were telling the last student loan podcast you did, you were telling her that if she had like 75 grand by the time she was 30, it would basically quadruple by the time she was 70. So that just like hearing those numbers, I think really was eye opening for me. And when I looked at my 403B account, I was like, whoa, like, I mean, I guess if I contribute 10,000 a year for the next five years, like I'll be pretty close. Yeah, you'll be pretty, yeah, and if the market goes up, absolutely. That's a perfect way to look at it. Okay, cool. And technically, I think they say you're supposed to have one year, like one year's of salary saved. So yours might be 60. Um, but if you can, I, but I would shoot for 75. It's a great number mm-hmm. if you can in there um, for what you're making um, by 30. And yeah, the reason I always try and encourage people to get in the work plans and stay in them, like I know even though now the market's down and it's very scary, um, mm-hmm. you because you have those doubles, right? The goal is to how many times can you get your money to double? And when you're in your 20s, you have an extra double versus someone starting in their 30s, which can make the difference right. between like 600,000 or 1.2 million. That's such a big difference. (laughs) It's a huge difference. And like, granted, none of that's guaranteed. It's just if your money is earning 7.2% compounding of interest. But I mean, the stock market, you can definitely make money long-term in it. And so the earlier in it, you don't need to have as much money. You just need that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you listened to that one because I um, I was trying to get to stress why it was important. I was like, why, how do I make this a more visual <laughs> thing? I was like, okay. If, if I give you the big numbers, that's when it's more attractive versus being like, yeah, you know, put a thousand dollars in. It's like, Oh, well, I'm never going to see that again. It's like, well, no, it can make all the difference for your retirement. Right. And people, I mean, my dad is an accountant, so he will tell me stuff like this all the time, but it's like, in, until you like put a number to it and you set a goal and you can see how that will change over time. It's super like hard to conceptualize being a millionaire at 70 when you're 25, you know, yeah. so it's like, you yeah. know, like that's just like, okay, I'm putting like 4% away. It's going to like magically multiply and I'm going to have all this money one day, but it's hard to fathom that. And so it's just like, I don't know. It's just never felt super like relatable or attainable until I heard that example. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that it worked because <laughs> My goal is that everybody can retire and enjoy it, right? You don't want to be retired in like a greeter at Walmart. (laughs) No, I don't want that. (laughs) Okay, another question I had about that is like when I was putting, making sure it was 4%, 
today, it asked, you know, you can put in like, you can divide up the percent to be before versus after tax. I did it all before tax. Um, that's just something that I feel like I've heard a lot. What, what do you typically say? So there's no real right or wrong. Um, and some people say that if you're young, you should only do Roth. And then other people argue for the pre-tax. This is what I think. Personal finance is a very personal topic, obviously, and not it's not one size fits all, right? So like what fits you isn't going to necessarily fit Natasha or the next guest. So mm-hmm. if you can afford to do Roth, I Roth is one of my favorite vehicles. You're okay. comfortable with where your, your housing cost is low, um, all of your costs are low, right? You mean you have an excess of seventeen hundred a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no right or wrong. Put it that way. The pre-tax okay. is going to give you a tax break, meaning it's going to lower your taxable income, which is great, right? Who doesn't not want to pay less tax? Uh, <laughs> and then you'll go and pay it in the future when you go to retire. Right. Now the, the Roth, the after-tax. If you put in after-tax, you get no tax break. So if you're putting in, um, we're doing. Four percent. So you're doing twenty four hundred a year. That twenty four hundred comes after they go through all the payroll taxes, right? After you pay all mm-hmm. your tax, right? Versus twenty four hundred pre tax, you you don't miss twenty four hundred in your pay, right? Your pay isn't because you're yeah. borrowing the tax money to essentially put in the market. So for me, I have tended to if you have excess money and you know are able to hit your other financial goals then maybe I lean towards Roth. Typically when people are trying to pay off student loans and save for a house and have multiple financial goals they're trying to achieve, which mm-hmm. can be overwhelming, I tend to lean more towards the pre-tax because it okay. gets you the tax break and gives us more money in your paycheck to, to tackle other goals so that we're running like three goals at a time, right? We're doing yeah. retirement, we're paying off loans, we're saving for a house or a wedding, right? Because it when you're young, I feel like there's so many goals that you're trying to tackle. It can be overwhelming mm-hmm. how to divvy up the money. Right. But that being said, there isn't a right or wrong answer with it. It's just about where are you with your financial goals and are we? do you have enough money to put in each of the buckets? Okay. So kind of like, I guess what I'm kind of thinking based on that is like maybe after my loans are paid off, then to like increase an extra percent in Roth or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because then you're doing both. I think that's perfect. And and the other way, the other way you can also do it is you can also do a Roth IRA outside of work too. Okay. Okay. So you could always take advantage of your pre-tax options in work, your, you know, your payroll plan with the match because your match is typically going to be pre-tax, right? Right. Sure. The, the companies typically match in the pre-tax option. So then that way your workplace plan is going to be all pre-tax and then you keep your Roth dollars as your own account that you manage outside. That's another way to do it. Okay, cool. And then you can do that like once a year at the end of the year, you can see how much you've saved throughout the year, made sure you've gotten rid of the student loans or you've tackled those and you have everything kind of squared away. And then you can go and make a Roth contribution in addition to what you're doing. Okay, that makes sense. I feel Does good about sense? that. That's the tricky part because um, I love the Roth IRA. It's like my favorite vehicle, but I also know it's important to get student loans paid off and to save for a house and a wedding. You know, there's all these other things that you want to do. So we try and make the dollars stretch as far as possible. And then I think the key is knowing that the Roth, what the value is for the Roth. And if you do it on your own and then maybe down the road when some of the other goals are more tackled, then maybe you target the Roth more or you do Roth conversions. There's like a lot of ways to do it. Okay, cool. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that's great. Now, what's going on with your student loans? Okay, so I actually am so proud of how much I've paid them off because I can't believe it. I just got down to the single digits. I just paid. That's incredible. So being a dietitian is awesome, but very frustrating because you have to, you're required to do this internship where you pay for the internship. So you pay for tuition, but then you are not paid as an intern. So you're paying for housing for a year and everything. So you really accrue a lot of debt just in this one year, like getting knocking out this internship. Oh, Um, I know. So somehow I went through, so my total debt when I graduated three years ago, it was 37000 And then last month, I just paid um, my last payment that I made a payment on. It was 9000 Wow. Yeah. So incredible. Um, I know. So, I mean, I'm super proud of, like, how much I've paid. And I'm actually super surprised I have been able to pay that much on it um, in a couple of years. But so now that it's, like, $9,000, I guess I'm just kind of like, um should I just like, you know, make bigger chunks and like really pay that off? But then I was like kind of having a lot of those thoughts leading up to everything that was going on to the, on with the economy. And now I'm like, oh my God, should I just like not pay anything on this (laughs) student loan and hold on to that extra like 17, you know, hundred that I'm making every month um, while I at least like have a secure paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. So how are you doing? Do you have an emergency fund? Yeah. So I have 10,000 in an emergency fund that I never touch. I just kind of keep it in my savings. Um, so, um, basically anything extra I do or the, the loan payments that I make are just from like the extra net income. Perfect. Okay. So what I would do, so tell me about the new job, because I want to see if if I think either You think either of these are going to, your current job or your new job are going to be affected by what's happening in the economy? Right. Okay. So this new job, it's also a dietitian position, but it's working for a startup company, um, doing something similar to what I'm doing now, but I think it's just going to be on like a very different level. Um, so the company, um, is basically working with diabetes technology. And so I'll be working remotely and then working with people who buy that piece of technology and just working through any issues that they may have, like kind of lifestyle changes. But then from talking to them and I've been talking to them for a few months, it seems like the position is going to kind of morph and change and it's going to move from being like quote unquote, just a dietitian into more of a management leadership role within the the startup company, because it's a pretty small company right now. So how is it? Because sometimes with startups, because I've worked in the startup space, they can be unstable, not all, but they can be in terms of like needing funding to continue. And so so what kind of startup is it? Is it like established? So they are established and they do have funding. Um, Right now they have five employees, including like the CEO and like the top level people. So there's five total people that are currently working for them. So they are a pretty new company. There is like a bit of a risk um, that would be associated with working for them, especially with everything going on in the market right now. Um, But with that said, like I already work in the industry and I already work with the technology, like in the clinic that they're selling. So I feel pretty comfortable with like that. What they're doing. Yeah. And I really think, I really don't think it's going away anytime soon. Like I think 
they may take a bit of a hit with everything going on with the coronavirus, but I do think that if they can ride it out, um, they will bounce back and eventually like really continue the climb. And then what is the plan for starting with them and what's the salary and benefits? Let's do that. Yeah. So I haven't actually received a, an official job offer yet. So it's still okay. kind of in the works. And I actually just had my final interview recently, maybe in the last week or two. And they did say that they're going to, um, they're basically doing a hiring freeze for a month or two. Yeah. And then they're going to reevaluate. So that's a super big bummer because they were, they were saying that they were going to offer the job before the end of March. So, Oh wow. So that's a big, yeah. So yeah. So we got pushed out a couple months. Here's what I would do. I think that going into a start, you have a really solid emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy with where you have your 401k, especially with the or 403b, sorry, not 401k. 403b is for a nonprofit. Um, yeah. So what I would do is maybe, I would love to say like go full force on the student loans. Uh -huh. I would maybe bulk up the emergency fund. Okay. Just That's because good. if you do decide to go and take this opportunity, which sounds like it's a great opportunity, I think you just need to have a bit more of a cushion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just because it's a small startup and a lot of things can go wrong. A lot of things can go right, but also a lot of things right. can go wrong more so than like an established company or nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn about how much you should do. Cause so you're doing, you're paying how much for, towards it, towards your student I've, loan? I've been paying a thousand. Um, but I mean, I know that right now with the market, all federal loans are like deferring payment or something at no penalty. So I was like, I don't know, maybe should I do that for a couple months and just kind of like let it hang out or pay the well, interest? So, they're deferring, so you can apply to have the interest deferred, but then yeah. you can do the principal only payment and just okay. do that. And then that'll tackle the principal more. So that's what I would do. Okay, so I would cool. still make a payment. I maybe not do a thousand, maybe do 500 into savings and 500 on the loans. Okay. Make it principal only payment. Okay. That's good. Interest for it. I'm writing that down. Yeah, that I think that would make me feel more comfortable too. And um, since I am working from home right now, I did reach out to the startup company. So actually, a couple months ago, they had offered me a part-time job to go ahead and get started, and I actually turned it down and told them I wanted to wait for the full-time offer because, it, like at the time, it was just a really hectic time at work, and I didn't. And they wanted me to work at least ten hours a week, and so I just felt like I wouldn't have been able to give them like my best foot forward doing that, which is super ironic. Cause now I'm like, dang it. I wish I had done that. Um, so I sent them home. <laughs> yeah, like, Oh my God, I have all the time in the world to reach out and be with this company. But, but I didn't want to do that indefinitely. I didn't want them to offer me a part-time and then like never bring me on full-time. You right. know? So I was like, I don't know. I just feel like it'll be more like straightforward to wait. So then of course all this stuff happened. So then I reached out after the final interview that we recently had. I just told her that I would be super interested in in the part-time offered now and I'd have a lot more time since I am like in this situation and blah, blah, blah. So she said she would get back to me and that, that they were open to it. So I'm kind of waiting to see if that would happen. I think that might make me feel a little bit better, like getting my foot in the door and also like making a little bit more money in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I was going to say is, here's what I'm thinking. You're going to get your student loans paid off probably no matter what in like 12 months, probably yeah. less. So then what I would do going forward, so your salary should be comparable to what you're making. And you can maybe even ask for a little bit more because I doubt they're going to have the benefit, the benefits that you currently have. I don't think they're going to yeah. offer a 60% match. 
They right. might offer you stock, which will be valuable if they do well. Yeah, they did say they have an equity, like they'll offer equity. Purchase, in the yeah, equity in the company. So that will be valuable. I doubt they're going to, I really doubt they'll have a 401k. They're probably just not going to have the resources for that. Okay. So I would, I would take a good look at what they're offering benefit-wise because the 7% match on your 403b is really great. Um, so if you're not going to have that, I would yeah. try and get your salary a little bit higher because then that way I would use the difference in pay to do a Roth, if that makes sense. So okay. You can do that outside the company because they might not even have a workplace plan. It's possible they don't offer any retirement. So mm -hmm. I, would, I would definitely find out what they're offering for retirement and then yeah. – be prepared to try and negotiate you a little bit higher because okay. right now your company, your for your nonprofit is putting in 4,200 a year for you in the retirement benefit. Right. Would you just tell them that? Would you be, would you just tell them like, Hey, listen, you know, this is how much I get through my current benefits. That's why I'm requesting. Yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. And you could just say it's a little bit more high risk, right? Yeah. Cause my job is really stable and they've been around for X number of years or whatever. And you could say they, your total comp because your 403B is considered your compensation is mm -hmm. at you know, whatever they cover for healthcare. Plus you have that. If you have any other benefits, you're mm -hmm. really closer to 65, right? Right. So gotcha. make sure you negotiate yourself up because you want to make sure that we're, we're, even though you don't have to take it out of your paycheck to do the contribution, you're still getting that into your workplace plan. And so if you're not going to have that workplace plan, I want right. to make sure you have money to make the same kind of dollar contributions even if it's gotcha. not no that's good information yeah job um negotiations are so scary but yeah good <laughs> news is you are I always like to say like the capricity like you have a job where you're yeah. well paid right so you're not in a position where and, and I see this happen a lot unfortunately people if you lose your job and then you're looking for a job right. It's a yeah. lot harder to negotiate because you need the money. And so right now you don't, you want the job, but you don't need the job. Right. Yeah. And, and most likely most employers, I think are expecting a negotiation. Right. So especially a startup. Especially a startup. So most of the time they're not going to say, oh, well, we're done talking to you. That was ridiculous. Like I, nothing, right. I mean, asking for comparable wages for what you're making in the industry to do a similar role, but at a little bit more of a high risk company, I don't think is outlandish for you to go in and say, you know, I want 67,000. Right. No, that's so good to hear. And I feel like people tell me that all the time. Like when you are made an offer, you're expected to negotiate. So when you don't negotiate, it's like, it's kind of like off script. It's like, you're expected to. <laughs> yeah, you're totally expected to. It's. I mean, not that it's the same as the housing market, but, you know, what, what they put the house up on the market for isn't what they think they're going to, you know, they hope right. they get it, but they know that people are going to come in with offers that are less than that, right? Right. So when they give you, yeah, when they give you an offer, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Because then what, what I would want to see if you took the job and there's, I'm just going to say there's no retirement account, then I would want to see you doing you know, like a $6,000 Roth IRA contribution on your own. Yeah, uh, like max it out. Yeah, max it out. Okay. And then you'll have a bucket of money that's pre-tax, and then you can start funding the Roth. Um, hopefully they have something at work. Um, yeah. And then you can do the strategy where you're doing the pre-tax at work and then the Roth on your own, because once you get those loans paid off, you'll be able to do both. Right. That'd be so nice. Yeah, and then you'll have checked all the boxes, right? You'll be doing retirement at work, retirement on your own. You'll have the emergency fund. You'll have your student loans paid off. I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be so good. <laughs>
So that's awesome. Well, do you have any other questions for me? Oh, man, I think that was it. Actually, I think we just went through pretty much all of it. I think the biggest thing was just like, the like navigating the transition and just, um, I guess, since it is such like a different market working for a startup, you never know, like, I, it's just, you just, it's just different. It's hard to kind of feel them out um, as far as what they're expecting you to be paid or. Yeah, I think yeah. the good thing is you're going into a similar role, so you know what dietitians right. make, which is good, and you know the work that you do, and you know their technology because you have an experience with it. So right. I think it makes it easier to negotiate because there's more known variables than unknown. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's so good. So you can, yes, you can just be like, this is what you know a dietitian makes. This is the you know, and you have experience, and I would imagine right. they'd be looking for someone with experience. So just make sure you don't sell. I think it's important to advocate for yourself and not sell yourself short. And an easy way to start is you can just, most people, uh, my sister like was always like, Barbara, you're so aggressive. Not everyone's aggressive. <laughs> but I think you, you usually get the biggest jumps when you change jobs and startups mm-hmm. don't always pay as well because they say they're going to give you equity. So I would start with something right. above what your compensation is now, knowing they're probably going to try and get you down is, would be my advice. Yeah. You know, and they have already go- told me that they that it is like that I should kind of expect maybe a little bit less than what I currently make because it is a startup. So, um, I mean, that doesn't make me super nervous, but then, so it's kind of interesting because on the call, one of the guys was like, you should expect to be paid a little bit less, but with equity. And then the other dietitian was like, but this is all negotiable. She like jumped right in and was like, but it's negotiable. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, all, it's all negotiable. So just remember you want us, you're going to be a value add, you know what you're providing to them. So you really want to know what your value is and be very clear about why they should pay. Because if you're good at what you're doing, they're going to make more money. Right. Right. Sales will be better. The product, everything will go smoother. So they will make you will help them produce revenue. So if anything, I think you should go in near where you're making, but, but move your compensation up, add up all the benefits you get at your current job and monetize those and add that into your compensation. So you get the match. You should absolutely add that. Your salary isn't 60, it's 60, 64,200 64, plus okay. the health insurance. And you, and you need to ask them for what they're offering on those so that you can make an equal valuation. Right. That's good. That's good to know. And you could also, and it's fully remote. It is, yeah. So the nice thing with that is you won't be spending as much on gas and it won't be beating up your car as much. But don't tell them yeah. that. I'm telling you. I know. That, but... <laughs> yeah, or like going out to lunch, you know, like there's so many little things that you spend money on because you go to work. Yeah, like wanting to look nice and buy clothes. Yeah, I'm not going to need to look nice. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm, like, so tired of my sweatpants. I've been wearing sweatpants for, like, a week. (laughs) I think everyone in quarantine is feeling that right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I can't wait to wear jeans again. I hope they still fit. (laughs) I know. But, yeah, so that would be my advice. I would definitely make sure – I think this is a big opportunity for you, so make sure you advocate for yourself. And then, But that would be the plan. I would tone down the student loan payments a little bit to bulk up the emergency fund just given the environment we're in. But Mm -hmm. make sure what you pay is a principal-only payment since you can defer the regular payment given what the government just came out with. And then um, once you get the loans paid off, I would do the Roth outside of work. And then ideally – um, with this job or the next job, you have some sort of work retirement plan and do that as the, the pre-tax option. Okay. Yep. 
What do you think about, like, since it's a startup company, but I would technically be an employee, but I'm remote, do, would you ask them to, like, pay for a laptop or, like, pay for supplies and stuff like that? Yeah, I think they should absolutely provide you with a laptop if you're going to be a work-from-home employee. I I just I had to get a laptop for the woman who works for me. <laughs> <laughs> for quarantine? Yeah, for quarantine. So, yeah, really, I don't provide a cell phone. I kind of just, you know, most of the work is done on the laptop. So I kind of figured if you use your cell phone, you use your cell phone because yeah. the laptop can be hooked into a phone system. Um, but, yeah, I I think that's standard. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. And remember, it's a negotiation. Don't be, yeah, don't be afraid to ask because there's nothing wrong with saying, and I would go in with, I would assume they would, if you're going to work from home, they're going to give you a computer. That would be my assumption. Yeah, I would hope so. They can't assume you have a laptop available. I mean, you could just be on a tablet and that wouldn't be mm-hmm. good for day. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, it was great having you on, Jennifer. I know. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram. And um, we had a little fun takeover today. So hopefully you're watching. Uh, Taylor took over our Instagram. And we are working on releasing our second class, um, which is going to be free for the quarantine. So you should definitely check that out. It's about student loans. We should be releasing it in the next week or so. Um, And as always, you can check that out at www.planancial.com. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.